Well, good morning to each and every one of you. It's good to be together. It's good to worship our Lord, to know of His uh, good grace for our lives, to even know the uh, challenge and inspiration of His Word. We seek to uh, focus upon the Word today, and as we do, may we find uh, our lives being transformed because of the good work of God in us. Last week, we uh, took time to talk about generosity. We talked about generosity in the sense of the whole of life, offering all that we are, and certainly there are many more ways to be generous than, than simply by giving money. Paul challenges us in the mix of that to help us keep in mind the fact that those who sow sparingly will also reap sparingly. Conversely, he also reminds us that those who sow generously will also reap generously. What we talk about today hits upon basically the same theme. One follows the other. We'll be considering one of the laws of the Old Testament. That law has to do with the practice of gleaning. Ashley mentioned it just very quickly as she introduced our time of prayer. We'll be diving in more definitely into what gleaning is and how that might be translated into our lives. There are two scriptures in the Old Testament that have to do with, with gleaning. One is from Leviticus, chapter 19, verses 9 and 10, and the other from Deuteronomy, chapter 24, verses 19 through 22. We'll be reading that in just a second. Of course, the, the book of Ruth uh, talks about gleaning. If you are aware of that book, you will remember that Ruth was found out in the fields uh, gleaning uh, the, the crop that was uh, left for those who were wayfaring strangers. We, we also know from that book of Ruth that as she gleaned that field, uh, she also strikes up conversation with Boaz, and, and eventually Ruth and Boaz, Boaz marry, which is all important to the, the lineage of, of Christ. And talking about gleaning, we will hear yet again that that generosity is an outgrowth of God's abundance. God's kingdom is one of generosity. God's kingdom is one of abundance. And we, we find that in contrast to the things of the, of the world, that where it is more a matter of scarcity and greed. Well, let's hear from this great passage from Deuteronomy 24, verses 19 through 22. Hear these words from God's Word. When you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a, a sheaf, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat the olives from your trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow." When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains, again, for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. That is why I command you to do this. This is the word of the Lord. May this be a deep and abiding blessing to each of us. As we hear this word read, and as we seek now to take our lives and apply them to it. 
At the church I served in, in Owensboro years, years ago, we, we had a bird problem. I mean, we had a real bird problem. We had flocks of birds hanging around to the point that they became a nuisance, a dirty nuisance, if you know what I mean. What was happening was that in the dead of winter, the birds would fly over to Owensboro Grain, which was just a, a couple of blocks to the west, and they would eat the corn that had been spilled around the great silos that were there at Owensboro Grain. They would then fly the couple of blocks uh, east to the large tower that overlooked one of the entrances to our sanctuary. Those birds made a tremendous mess at the very place where people were coming into worship. We even investigated a, a, a netting that would, uh, would keep them from roosting. But that netting, even way back when, cost well in excess of $100,000. In my mind, to no one's surprise, that was a non-starter. <laughs> I, I told them instead that I would be more than happy to go up to the top of the tower and beat a, a pie plate, and all the birds would then go off. What those birds did at Owensboro Grain was glean the leftover corn. For the Hebrews, gleaning was very much a, a command of the Lord, and it was indeed punishable by law. But deeper and at a more, uh, uh, more significant spiritual level, it was viewed as a matter of benevolence, an expression of holiness, and a wonderful way to be generous. Farmers were instructed to leave a portion of their harvest for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, those who, who were somewhat on the margins the, of, of life, those who were on the margins of society economically and otherwise, were encouraged to come and gather what was left. By offering a portion of their harvest, the farmers were reminded of the days when their ancestors were slaves in Egypt. Yeah, there was a day when they were also on the margins of society. Remembering the past always is instructive. The great uh, quote from uh, George Santayana, those who cannot remember their past are condemned to repeat it, rings awfully true in this instance. The purpose of leaving a portion of a field unharvested was so that the poor would have, have something to eat. It's a big deal that everyone is well-fed. Strictly speaking, farmers were to leave the, the edges of their fields and, and particularly the corners for the poor to, to come along and, and gather in as they walked by the paths that were in between fields. You've heard the expression, cutting corners. You've probably used it yourself. You may have even found yourself doing just that, cutting corners. Cutting corners usually means cutting out things in order to reach a goal as, as cheaply and as easily as possible. Corporations will do that temporarily or maybe even permanently in order to uh, drive up their, their profits. Let's, let's turn that notion of cutting corners just a bit to consider ways uh, you cut corners when it comes to supporting the needs of others. 
I would figure that uh, you're like me, that that happens all the time. There are times when you look right through people. There are times when you uh, seek to turn the other way. There are times when it is your interest really not to be interested. During the day when the law was written to cut corners meant that there wouldn't be anything left for those who needed it. And so that sort of turns that uh, notion just a little bit. When the corners were cut back uh, when this law was, was written, there would be nothing that would be left for those who would be passing by. So the question comes, what about you? How are you providing room on the margins for the support of those who are in need? And if not the margins, then, then in, in what ways are you reorienting your life to where it's not so much a matter of margin as it is the very center of your life? expressing itself in love so that the needs of those around you are being taken care of. I think the answers to, to these questions depends in large degree on what you think about God and how you have experienced His benevolence in your life. In other words, do you view, um, do, do you view God's kingdom as one of abundance or do you find yourself much more aligned to the scarcity notion of the, of the world? You see, we serve a benevolent God, and He wants us to be benevolent as well. That message comes through loud and clear in both the Old and the, the New Testaments. A benevolent God was, was served in, in both of those eras. The, the message of benevolence and of generosity comes through loud and clear from the, the beginning and, and all the way to the end of, of Scripture. We are to, uh, to reflect in our daily lives the benevolence and generosity that we have experienced from God Almighty. Benevolence is indeed tied to God's love, a love that is no more clearly stated than in His great gift in Jesus Christ. We love first because God first loves us. We seek to support our neighbors because God has supported us first. Just as we talked last week and asked ourselves quite pointedly, where's your focus? Is it on the generosity and fruitfulness of God's ab abundance or upon the scarcity and greed of this world? Paul encourages us about God's abundance. He writes in, in Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do abundantly more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations forever and ever. Amen. To him who is able to to do far more abundantly than we could ever ask or imagine. That's the abundance of God's kingdom. God's kingdom is founded upon that abundance, an abundance of mercy, an abundance of grace, an abundance of love. The world would have us think that there's, there's just not enough. There's not enough to go around. And so because of that and that, that 
that sort of mindset. We, we hold on to, to all we can, some even to the, to the point of, of hoarding, even to the point where that's an illness for them. But with most, enough is never enough. And so we, uh, we find ourselves challenged at the very point of, will we align ourselves with the, the abundance of God's kingdom or the scarcity of this world? Consider the, the story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 12 about the, the rich man whose harvest was, was so big that he tore down his barns and built bigger ones. All of this so that he could eat, drink, and be merry. Jesus is clear at this point. Stockpiling so that you can eat, drink, and be merry is, is not a way of, of life that brings us closer to God, much less closer to other people. In the end, such a lifestyle will leave us unfulfilled and still wanting. Remember yet again what, what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9.6, those who spare those who sow sparingly will also reap sparingly, but those who sow generously will reap generously. The story is told of a zookeeper whose charge it was to look after the monkeys. And one day, the zookeeper placed in front of uh, one monkey a, a container, a plastic container with a, with a narrow opening, and it was filled with, with bits of fruit. The opening was just big enough for the monkey to get his hand in. If he grabbed, uh, grabbed, his, grabbed uh, the fruit once his hand was inside, there was no way that he could, uh, could, could pull the fruit out with his fist clenched. It was only when the monkey spilled out the fruit from the plastic container that he was able to get some for himself but you might also notice that he was able then to share with the other monkeys. We ask ourselves yet again, when it comes to your, to your life, what margins, if not corners, are being made available in your life so that other people might benefit? Are you exercising what we hopefully learned way back in kindergarten, if not even earlier than that, of sharing? We've had our kids with us, uh, our grandkids uh, from Nashville, and, and they've all been together, and we've had to remind, don't forget to share. Don't forget to share. Let's not forget to share. What uh, margins, if not corners, are we making available so that the needs of others might be taken care of? How is the abundance of, of God that has been heaped upon your life translating into support of other people? And I'm not just talking about, about money here. Let's, let's be sure about that. Sometimes uh, giving money can be the easiest thing of all. You have so much to offer. Don't ever minimize the, the, the offering of your talents in support of other people. What are your strengths? And how might they be employed in, in helping your neighbor? The answer to that question might be as, as simple as preparing a hot meal or uh, offering a, a listening ear, maybe even hammering a, a few nails. It might include tutoring a young person in, in math or in reading. 
Maybe uh, it might be doing somebody's taxes or watching somebody's kids when they have no, nobody else to turn to. It very well may mean sending a card or placing a telephone call. You, you might even find yourself cutting somebody's grass or raking their leaves. When it comes to the broader community, there are all sorts of, uh, of ways to volunteer, all sorts of, of viable, uh, in, engaging opportunities for service through, through varied institutions, near and, and far. I, I would love to, to talk with you about that further, about, about any number of ways that you can, can offer yourself generously and thereby uh, finding yourself furthering God's kingdom. You know, it was mentioned uh, a, a bit earlier. Chris mentioned it about the, our scouts and, and, and the, the great amount of food that they, they raise. We, I want to say thanks, guys, for, 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 uh, for digging in and, and offering uh, this, this food drive for our, our local uh, food bank. The possibilities are endless for every one of us. There are all sorts of ways that you can offer yourself in service to others. Rest assured that when you do, God will multiply what you do. It won't seem like it's just what I'm doing on the margins, but it'll begin to multiply and have tremendous effect upon your life as well as upon the lives of others. I love the story told of uh, rescue workers in a famine-stricken area who were handing out uh, glasses of milk to half-starved orphans. One day, uh, they were giving out milk to those orphans, and a little boy who had several brothers and sisters and was used to dividing up his, his, his food among them was, was presented with a glass of milk. And the little boy asked the, the worker who gave, uh, gave him his milk, how far down am I allowed to drink? How far down am I allowed to drink? Now, that's thinking about others. Of course, uh, the worker said, all the way down, all the way down. The problem is that there are way too many of us drinking from glasses that are way too big, all at the expense of others in need. We do well to, to leave our margins available and our corners uncut. And by so doing, we will find our lives so much more fruitful and certainly more fulfilled. And as a byproduct of that, others will have their needs met. I've noticed that in uh, polite company, we are careful about taking the last roll from the basket, the last spoonful in the, the serving dish, and the last cut of meat. That's just what you do uh, uh, in polite society, if you will. We do that because there may be somebody around the table or in the potluck line or whatever that, that might want what, what we want. And we'll at least ask if, if someone wants uh, to, to take it before we will. I've noticed the same sort of thing happening out uh, with, the, with the donuts. Almost every Sunday, there's at least one donut left. And I'm usually the last one here, so I usually grab it. There's no one to ask, you know. It's always good to leave a little for others. I'm of the mind of this, that if we begin to leave a little for others, and we'll catch that spark 
of generosity. And we'll find ourselves leaving more for others, giving more of ourselves for others. And in that, we will find the true blessing of the way of generosity. Just as those who glean found that secret as well, that it is a right and true thing of God to be generous to those who are around us. Cleaning your plate, or maybe better put, loading our plate up, is not all it's cracked up to be. Leaving enough for others is. So that's the way of gleaning. That's the way of generosity. That's the way of, of life as it goes in, the, in a kingdom of abundance, the kingdom of our God. That's the way it is when it comes to a fruitful life. So let's not just think on these things. Let's just not talk about these things, but let's, let's consider them. Let's let God do with us what He will. Let's uh, find ourselves responding. Let's find ourselves acting. Let's uh, practice uh, offering things on the margin. And as we do, may we then spring into to where generosity is very much center stage, who we are and what we do. To the end, that God's fruitfulness comes shining through. Let's pray together. Thank you, God, for your deep blessings. Thank you for the shower of love that you bestow upon our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the deep call, if not command, to be generous. God, may it be that our eyes are, are keenly open to the needs that are around us. And may we look for ways to, um, to be involved, to, uh, to help those who are in need. Lord, we thank you so much for your word, for the ways that it instructs our lives. May we hear your word and respond accordingly. Again, thanks, Lord, for the abundance of your kingdom. May we live in the same and give you all the praise and glory as we move through our lives. This prayer we make in the name of Jesus, trusting in the power of that name for today's world. Amen.